Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. I hope you'll check those out if you have not already. You can do that at DorendaWilson.com. You can also find all three books on Amazon, and you can find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. I also want to remind you that I have an online video mentoring course, and this is just a a video course that I created a few years ago that helps homeschooling moms have a better idea of what it looks like to take a more simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling Um, from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. I'll also leave a link for the places that I'm speaking in 2023. I have eight speaking engagements this homeschool conference season. And I'm hoping that I will be able to meet some of you face-to-face. I already have at a couple of uh, the first two events. And it was just, it's just such a delight for me to be able to do that. So I'll leave a link to those events. And like I said, hopefully we'll be able to connect. Uh, Lastly, I just want to remind you um, about one of my favorite math resources. Um, You might be looking for a great math program and CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective by using creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. Here's a great testimonial from Lori. She said, one day my 10-year-old was in tears over math. I tried my best to help, but ended up in tears as well. Haven't we all been there? We prayed together, and that very night, I received an email offer for CTC Math. The following Monday, we reviewed the curriculum together, and my daughter was willing to give it a shot, and we have never looked back. Start your free trial today, moms, by visiting ctcmath.com, and I will leave a uh, link in the show notes for that. Today, I am really excited uh, to talk with my guest. Um, We're going to be talking about nurturing your family's faith through creation. Erin Lynham is joining me today. She's a certified master naturalist, a Bible teacher, a national speaker, and author of 936 Pennies, Discovering the Joy of Intentional Parenting, and of course, the new book, Rooted in Wonder, Nurturing Your Family's Faith Through God's Creation. Erin lives in northern Colorado with her husband, Grayson, and their four children whom they homeschool, mainly in the great outdoors. Her family spends their days hiking, camping, and adventuring through the Rocky Mountains. Erin leads nature classes and hikes and has been featured on Focus on the Family, Family Life, Proverbs 31 Ministries, Christian Parenting, Mops International, Bible Gateway, Her View from Home, and For Every Mom. Every opportunity she gets, she is out exploring God's creation with her family and sharing the adventures at erinlinum.com. So her new book that I just mentioned, Rooted in Wonder, was just released, and uh, I read an endorsement that described it so well. I want to read it to you. It said, if you want to see children grounded in what is real and true and good, get them outside with their hands in the dirt, their feet in puddles, and their eyes and ears and noses probing the wonders of God's creation. Linum makes a compelling argument for not just sending the kids out to play, but also for joining them in their journey of discovery. In each chapter, 
Practical tips are provided for things to try, and more importantly, how to help your kids see the connections between God's written word and his natural creations. Erin, welcome. Thank you, Dorinda. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm so curious. I'd love for you to share with us just what is a master naturalist, because I don't think I even know the definition of that. Yeah, that's usually people's first question. It's kind of an intriguing title. So as a master naturalist, I've been trained in everything nature. So plants and animals and insects and birds, and then the ecosystems in which they all live and should thrive. But more than just the education on nature, how to present that information to others. So how to teach it in classes and courses and deliver it in a way that really connects people to the world around them and is relevant for their lives. Mm, I love that. What an interesting thing. What made you decide to do this? It really was when I saw my own kids connecting with their creator in nature, and I was feeling that same connection. Mm-hmm. I started to think, okay, how can I deepen? How can I make our time outside more meaningful? And we see Jesus doing this all the time in the gospels. He always taught through nature. He used sparrows and wildflowers and an olive tree and a mustard seed. He was always calling upon these things that he and God had made at creation to deliver truth. And so I thought, you know what? If I can gain a deeper understanding of what God has made, I bet I could better understand his scriptures and how to deliver that truth to others. Mm, I love that. So... Um, maybe you could share with us how the Bible and nature are connected. I think they so brilliantly and beautifully complement one another. Mm -hmm. When my husband and I were in Bible college, we learned that there are two main ways that God reveals himself to us. Mm -hmm. The first, of course, is his inspired living and active word, the Bible, and that is known as special revelation. Right. And the second is complementary, and it is natural revelation. And that comes from Romans one twenty that says that God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Mm. And so it's this idea that we discover who God is through his written word and through his created world. And so when those two revelations are used together, they highlight one another. That's absolutely true. And I love that he was so gracious to give us creation for, you know, before we even know him, here we are surrounded by this revelation that he actually exists. And then he takes, he goes even further and he gives us his word, a special revelation for his people. And uh, so it does make sense. You know, he's so consistent and so faithful. It makes sense that it would all tie together, but only he could tie it together so beautifully. Absolutely. Yeah. When my kids are really little, so my youngest is five now, but especially before they are at an age where they can really understand the gospel message I've always prayed that they would perceive God in nature, that when we're outside, that they would see the creator and that that would be really just priming and preparing them for the gospel message. Mm. That's a great, that's a great thing to be praying for. And we know that God is so faithful to answer those prayers. And, and what a, I mean, I think that creation is just such an effective way to reach the heart of man. We just have this connection with it that is, um, unlike anything else, you know? So um, now I'm wondering, 
you've talked about in your book, you talk about how spending time outdoors can strengthen the faith of our families. Can you share with us what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So our families today, our kids, especially our faith is under so much attack mm-hmm. and opposition and it's wonderful and necessary for us to ground our kids' faith in scripture. Like that is first and foremost. But I also believe that we have these other resources that God has given us, especially in nature and science to ground our kids' faith in and give them evidence. So Hebrews eleven one says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And if we just quickly read that verse, we might think it's talking about a blind faith, like those words hoped for and things not seen. But when you take a deeper look at it, the word assurance can mean um, substance. And so there's a depth to our faith. And then the word conviction, the root of it can mean evidence. And so just like you were saying, like God has given us so much around us to see what he's done. And so as we start digging into that, and using certain language with our kids, like more than saying nature, let's say creation. And when we take them outside, let's talk about God as the artist and the designer and the architect and the engineer and the inventor, help them to reconnect the dots between creation and creator. So that when people bring up these arguments against their faith, like it's really hard to say to someone who doesn't believe, oh, well, the Bible says this, they're not gonna take that argument. And so maybe we can come at it from a different perspective, a different angle and start talking about all the evidence that we have for God in creation. Like even science is saying this, the more that scientists look at things, the more they're seeing there are intricate designs that there has to be intelligence behind what we're seeing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's all just so complex. And the more you study it, the more there is to find. It's just endless, you know? Um, And I think that's, it's like a, you know, just like a, a curriculum that can never be fully learned, but we we can we, we can walk away with so much from the simplest things, and and this and which is wonderful because when we take our children out, um, it's those simple things that they see and they notice, and there's something about being out in nature with kids that is just so unique and so special because they just have an eye that's just fresh, and I think one of the beauties of homeschooling is being able to experience that with them. You know, I'm thinking about a mom who's listening, who, you know, maybe she just did not grow up being out in nature. And she's thinking, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I don't have enough um, knowledge or whatever. These are some of the things that you share in your book is, you know, how to make those connections, even on a very simple level. And um, I think that's just such a gift for families and specifically for moms who are looking to maybe be outside more, but not really knowing what do we do out here? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I completely agree. Like sometimes it is so hard, especially if you're just not accustomed to it or didn't grow up with it. Mm -hmm. But I love just encouraging people that you don't need to become a naturalist or a biologist or a Mm -hmm. teacher or a theologian. All it takes is this willingness to step outside with your child Mm -hmm. and to get into God's word with them. Mm -hmm. And God honors those efforts. His word goes forth and does not return void. Like if you are willing to do that, then he's going to honor that. And it takes this natural pace to it 
Mm-hmm. Like one thing mm-hmm. I talk about is that my kids actually reawakened my love for nature. And I think that's what the scriptures mean by a childlike faith. Mm-hmm. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, they're just, they're so naturally inclined to this mm-hmm. that when we go outside with them, they pique our curiosity and reawaken our sense of wonder and they mm-hmm. kind of start leading the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really awesome when we can let our kids do that because it, grows their confidence so much as we walk along with them and let them show us things and and teach us things. I know that from a very early age, my kids were teaching me things um, and it was, it just made it such a symbiotic sort of organic type of learning and relationship and connection to learning. So it's not, I mean, I believe that, you know, um, as we're out in nature and we see these things um, that God has made, and we make those connections to to scripture and scriptural truths. But then we're also like, we're, we're doing so much science out there and physical yes. activity. And so we're doing, we're doing so much all at once. Yes. I love that aspect of it, that it's kind of like this life hack and homeschool hack that yes. you get to work in so many things and have fun while you're doing it. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, the point I was, uh, meaning to make earlier, and I think you sort of touched on it, is, you know, you talked about the kids reawakening your love for nature. And I think that every parent out there, there is a certain amount of love for nature just because I think that's how we're wired, but maybe they haven't really tapped into it because of the way they were raised or whatever. And like you said, this is our opportunity to revisit that, to go back and learn alongside of our kids. I think that's something that homeschooling parents, especially when they're first starting out, don't realize that the one of the biggest things about homeschooling that make it doable is being willing to learn alongside your kids. Try things out, do it together, have those conversations, not feel like you have to know everything, but you're learning with them and you're asking questions and they're asking questions. And we're saying, we're going to find the answers together. You know, um, what a sense of camaraderie and um, just closeness that can come. So again, you're even the relational aspect of it is yes. is um, is is fed through just going outside in nature with our kids and learning alongside of them. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny that you say that because even this morning my son came up and I'm sitting at the co- the table with my coffee and he's like oh, mom, did you know that cowbirds do this and they will place their eggs in other nests? And he just starts going off on like how cowbirds are terrible parents. And (laughs) he's just feeding me all of these facts. And it was so interesting because I got really interested and I wanted to know more. And it is, it's this beautiful synthesizing. Mm -hmm. And that's the same son who really has gotten me into bird watching and studying birds. And so it's just this beautiful way of doing life and school Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And they really, our kids, they have such a powerful gift they can give us by by reigniting our curiosity. Because I think that as adults, we often lose that childlike curiosity. But mm-hmm. when we lose that, we lose a critical element of our faith because mm-hmm. we stop looking at the created world and asking questions of it. And so we're actually missing so much of God's revelation to us. And so it's it's just beautiful that our kids can make us curious again. And through that, we experience more of God. Yeah. 
Oh, it, it is. It's one. I, I just love, I love being a mom. <laughs> it's, yes. the best. it's the best. <laughs> it <is. laughs> oh, so, you know, we hear the term climate change and um, we have some idea of what it means. And, but it's something that our kids are growing up around that actual um, language of, of climate change. So how can we help our kids understand climate change? This is such a fascinating discussion as believers, because of course we see it very differently than mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, those who don't believe. And the the key is that we have to help our kids not fall prey to the alarmist and yes. what they're hearing. We have to teach mm-hmm. them to think critically and really ask questions about what's going on. And most importantly, to line it up against what God's word says. So first of all, I believe climate change is happening. I believe that it started in the Garden of Eden. When Mm -hmm. sin entered the world, it changed our entire planet. And then of course, with the global flood, there's a lot of evidence pointing to following the flood was the biggest climate change event of history. Mm -hmm. And in the planet's history, we see all these cycles Like God is a God of reason and method and math and he made it all. And we see these cycles and these seasons. And even back, I think it was um, 800 to 1200 AD, I believe it was, there was another warming period on earth where things are actually warmer than they are now. And so we can look at that and say, well, that was before the burning of fossil fuels. So could this be more connected to seasons and cycles? Mm -hmm. My whole point is we have to teach our kids to question the narrative that they're hearing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then to look at scripture and see, you know what, this planet has an end date. This is not all there is. Mm. And we see in scripture in Isaiah that the planet ends in fire. There is a burning. And so it actually makes sense to me that we would be going that direction. Now I can't say how long or when. When. (laughs) Yeah, but we can look at the disease and the decay and everything happening and realize this started in the Garden of Eden when Mm -hmm. sin entered. Mm -hmm. And eventually God is going to do away with it all because he is a God who brings life and makes all things new. And that's That's the hope that we can give our kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand the fear around climate change if you're an unbeliever because your home planet is burning up and this is all there is. But as believers, we have the hope that there is so much more than this. And so Mm -hmm. I think we can give our kids that confidence and that assurance so that they're not fearful. And then also Mm -hmm. teach them that, you know, while we have this planet, this is God's beautiful creation and we are called to take care of it. In Genesis mm-hmm. 2.15, Adam was placed in the garden to work and keep it. And that word keep means to protect and guard and have regard mm-hmm. for. Right. And I think it's a gospel issue because like we've talked about earlier, this is all evidence for the creator. And so if we lose that evidence, we're losing these key materials that we can use to point others to God. I was talking with a friend last night and she told me her testimony and it started with flowers. Like she did not believe in God. And then she saw these beautiful flowers and started researching them and found the scripture about God taking care of the flowers of the field. And that's what led her to faith, those flowers. And so it's so important that we do protect the planet while we have it. Absolutely. You know, I think the two things that are coming to mind as you're talking about this topic is number one, that God is sovereign. The whole world is in his hand. The whole world is is being uh, run by him 
And therefore we do not need to be afraid. You know, he takes all things and he weaves them together for good. And nothing happens outside of his control. That's what I'm trying to say. So we don't need to be afraid. Um, And the second thing you talked about, um, stewardship. It's, you know, God has given us this world to live in and it's a blessing. Um, I I think he is pleased with his creation, but one of the reasons that he made his creation was for our enjoyment. (laughs) And, and he said, here, I'm giving this to you. It's like a gift that we've been given. And when we're given a gift, we should take care of that gift. And so, um, this is something I, I said to our kids over and over and over again, as we were cleaning up the yard again, you know, with the fall leaves and, you know, the different things that just come with the seasons and the rhythms of life and just caring for a home and caring for a yard and, you know, all of these things, like I said, they're from him. And I would just say, you know, one of the ways we can um, say thank you for these things is to take care of them. Yeah, And um, so I think that whole stewardship thing is super important. And that's what I think of when I think about, you know, the word environmentalism versus stewardship, you know, like I think of stewardship, I think of caring for animals because what does the scripture say? It says, you know, basically that a good man cares for, for his animals is tender with them, you know, not mean to them and, and those kinds of things. So, um, you know, I just, and I love the way you explained that. That was really, really great. And and just keeping our kids from that alarm alarmism, like you mentioned, and because it's it seems like there's all these trigger terms to just fear, fear, cause fear, fear, fear. And as parents, we can protect our kids from that by presenting the truth to them. And, Definitely. And I love that when we go out in nature, like you said, um, we've got we want to instill God's word in our in our kids. But nature's very tangible. It's a very tangible way to do it. Yes. And yeah. yeah. So I, I love that. Love that. Well, okay. Kids are so, so sensory. They, they are. connect they with are. everything through sight and sound and taste and touch. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting, even how our memories are anchored by the senses. Like mm-hmm. in our brains, the area that stores memories is right next to the area that discerns scent and aroma. Mm-hmm. And so scientists think there's a link between that, that we can really unlock our memories through smells. Like think about it. If you mm-hmm. smell a certain flower or tree or something, that can take you back to a memory from yes. your childhood. Yes. Yes. And so it's just this way of anchoring memories and experiences and truth by allowing our kids to experience it outside through their senses. Exactly, exactly. And I can testify to that. Um, the other day I was take I take a, a walk every morning and it's out in the woods and um there was just this pungent smell of fresh grass, just <laughs> and spring, just that spring aroma. You just it's hard to describe. But you can literally, I can close my eyes and think about when I was a, a child and I lived out in the country and I would smell that same smell. And there's yeah. just this sense of like calm that comes over me. And I know my kids experienced the same thing because they had a childhood that where they spent a lot of time outside. And so uh, you're right. I, I think about it the same way that you just uh, worded it and that's rooting, rooting them in these to these experiences and these memories um, that they'll carry with them the rest of their lives. Um, I know for me as an adult, when I get stressed, 
um, it's those smells and experiences that um, when I when I can like if I take a walk and I'm stressed and I smell that I get immediately it calms me down. So we're giving them a gift to uh, of something to go back to when they need to as adults because there are going to be stressful times in their lives and to have something like that to go back to I think is just such a gift. I 100% agree. And if I can share a little nature fact, that yes. scent is called mm-hmm. petrichor. Oh, yes. And I, okay. I, love that I remember because, that floating yeah. over the internet one time, that word. Yes. Yeah. When, when you step outside and you smell that spring, like earthy, right after rain. And I love mm-hmm. it because you're right. It just gives us hope. Like there are new mm-hmm. things ready to mm-hmm. grow. And I actually yes. share in the book, like you can you can pray for that petrichor effect in your child's soul, that that soil mm. will be worked and cultivated and and weeded and ready for God's truth to take mm. root and grow. I love that. Okay, tell us what is a wonder conservationist? I have never heard that term. <laughs> I, I coined it for the book. I don't know if it's out there anywhere else. I hope it grows because I love this idea of, so we, We understand conservation and protecting and restoring and bringing things back. But I think even more so, it's more than conserving what we see in nature. And of course, we already talked about how important that is, Mm -hmm. is conserving the sense of wonder in our kids because that too is under attack. Yes, absolutely. Like we've talked about nature being so powerful to point our kids to God. So I really believe that Satan attacks that and he wants to steal their wonder and steal their curiosity so that they won't go outside so that they won't come into contact with their maker. Mm -hmm. And so a wonder conservationist, this is the idea of conserving and preserving and protecting the sense of wonder that is God given that he Mm -hmm. plants within us to point us to himself. Mm. I love that. So how can experiences in nature show our kids absolute truths in a society prone to relativism? Now, some of our listeners might not know what relativism is. So could you explain what that term means? Yes. Relativism is this idea that we are seeing everywhere now that truth is fluid and flexible and up to your own definition or that there is no truth at all. Mm. And so... I think it is so powerful that in nature, that is proven wrong. Nature Mm -hmm. defies this idea because as I was trained to become a master naturalist, I was convinced more than ever that we don't get to define nature and we don't get to redefine it. It is what God made it to be. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I share this story of, we were up exploring Rocky Mountain National Park. We live about 50 minutes from it. So we go up there quite often. And we're at this lake that we've visited several times before. And I hung back at the creek with my daughter while my husband Grayson took the boys ahead to the lake to go fishing. And we joined them a few minutes later and walked into this crazy wild scene where Grayson has the boys backed up against a tree and there is a mama moose in the lake right by them, ears pinned back and her calf. And we kind of waited a few minutes and she ushered the calf away and got a safe distance away. And then Grayson explained to me what had happened was the boys were fishing and this yearling moose calf just runs into the lake right toward them. And my husband knew that by the age of this calf, mama was still around. And Mm -hmm. so he's looking up and looking all around for her. And sure enough, 
she comes storming out of the woods, walking down the trail, mind you, (laughs) with her ears pinned back and huffing and puffing. And so Grayson gets the boys out of the trajectory because mama is trying to get to the calf. And thankfully, my husband grew up in the woods with animals. He knew what to do, but it could have turned out very differently. Mm -hmm. And we've had several close experiences like this. And it just keeps showing me that we don't get to decide what nature does. Mm. I did not get to project on that moose today. Oh no, you're you're a kind moose. You're not gonna right. attack us. <laughs> so these experiences show our kids that God created things a certain way and we don't get to change them or decide what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And there's this quote that I love in George Orwell's classic novel, 1984. And of course that whole book is about people trying to get rid of truth. Right. And he writes that the solid world exists. Its laws do not change. Stones are hard. Water is wet. And I just Mm. love how powerful nature is for showing our kids that we don't get to redefine certain things. It is how God made it to be. Mm, I love that. And what, I mean, that is just absolutely foundational. And the fact that we can our kids can learn that in such a tangible way through nature is such a, a a beautiful thing. Again, I love homeschooling because we can, we can do these things, you know, and, um, and just take such a, a natural approach to learning. Um, okay. So there's that, there are always families out there who just are like, I'm not outdoorsy. We live in this city. We struggle to get any place where there's, you know, much in the way of nature. Um, what would you tell that family? First of all, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I I grew up hiking and camping, but somewhere along the line, I just lost that sense of wonder mm-hmm. and really didn't have much interest in the outdoors. And my kids, like I mentioned, they reawakened that in me. And mm-hmm. where it started was just stepping outside with them. And so I would just encourage that parent to start with that. And don't think you have to understand everything or know everything about nature. Again, your child is going to lead the way. God has put this inside of them. Mm -hmm. And when we really started getting interested in spending time outdoors, we lived in the city. We're Mm. right now we live in the front range of Colorado, nested like right up against the Rocky Mountains on a lake. And there's an osprey soaring around out my window right now. I've been watching it. (laughs) And it's it's wonderful, but it didn't start here. Right. It started in the city. And so we just found these little pockets of nature Mm -hmm. down at the playground Mm -hmm. and along the creek and this little three mile trail that we would drive to several times a week. Mm -hmm. We just went seeking it and finding it wherever we could. Mm -hmm. I also have a whole chapter in the book about bringing nature indoors Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. this exposure to nature is so powerful for our physical, mental, and spiritual health. And it's not only... Christians that are saying that science, all these studies are pointing to the health benefits of nature exposure. And so one way we can give our kids those benefits is by bringing nature indoors through houseplants and fish aquariums and bird feeders so that you can see the birds outside. There's so many little adjustments that we Mm -hmm. can make, even if it's a Mm -hmm. 10 minute walk outside with your child a couple of times a week, that's Mm going to grow and God's going to bless that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, just being aware that this is a good thing and to make a point of being intentional to do it, I agree. It's just going to grow from there. Because again, our children 
are so um, adept at, you know, moving forward with this kind of stuff, they're going to, they're going to lead the way and we're going to, we're going to end up saying, okay, yes, we're going to go over here and do this. I mean, I'm, I'm picturing as you're talking about living in town or in this city, like there are, there are plants that grow up in the cracks in the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> find out what those are, you know, and I love your idea of bringing, just bringing some small, you know, small things into your home, some plants, some an aquarium, um, you know, a, a bird feeder outside the window. Those are such great ideas. And they're just little, little steps that are just enjoyable and so doable. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. even like you mentioned about the little flowers and the cracks, that is such a valuable resource we have because we can take our kids outside and something as simple as having them pick something they see, whether it be those flowers in the crack of the sidewalk or a bird or a line of ants carrying crumbs back to their anthill. And we can just ask them questions like, what do you think God was thinking when he made that? Or what does this reflect about God? Does it does it show that he gave this plant strength or does this thing show his wonder and his beauty and his wisdom? Just helping our kids to start paying attention to nature and to really think of it as it is, as God's creation. Right. And you had mentioned how uh, time outside just helps with our, our kids' health, but how can it help also with our child's mental health? That is so important right now. Like Mm -hmm. we are in this mental health crisis and today's generation is suffering under this weight and this burden of anxiety and fear. And I really believe that God gave us nature as one of the best medicines for that. Mm -hmm. Um, My oldest son, one time we were just in a difficult season of life and he said, mom, we need to go on a hike to sort out our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. so profound, but it's so true because Scripture tells us, Philippians 4, 8, to think on everything lovely and true and beautiful and honorable. And nature helps us to do that. Mm. And I've had so many experiences where I can walk in the woods and it takes me longer than my kids. Like my kids walk in the woods and they're just having a blast. Me, it takes longer to untangle the thoughts from the week and the burdens, but it does happen. And I feel just this peace And God created it that way. Like I even think of the example of trees. When you walk into a forest, you just, you breathe easier. And it's because trees are the lungs of the planet. They have under their leaves or needles, almost like these little fish gills, these little holes that take in the air in our atmosphere and they hold the carbon and then they exhale clean air for us to breathe. And so even those scientific aspects of being out in nature helps us to breathe and think better. And so I just think that God gives us so many resources in nature for helping our kids to sort their thoughts and think upon everything lovely and true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, just in closing, what are some things that moms can do right now to spend less time on devices and more time outdoors? You mentioned a, a few things, but are there some other ideas? Oh yeah, that's such a big conversation. We just could go on and on about that one. (laughs) But I love that nature really provides us a positive alternative. Instead of just telling our kids, oh, you got to get off your devices. You can say, oh, hey, let's go for a walk around the block and see what birds we can find. And Mm -hmm. that might not sound too exciting right now. And your kids might even push back against it. Mm -hmm. But again, God's going to honor that. 
And so one thing I, I love encouraging parents to do is get other friends involved mm-hmm. because it might be hard if, if you tell your child, hey, we're going to go on a hike and they're just not into it. Right. But it changes when you're like, hey, your buddies want to go on a hike. We're going to go play down at the creek for a while. That's completely mm-hmm. different. Yes. And so getting friends involved is huge. And even turning it into a game, like I love taking my kids out and doing a scavenger hunt for new life, especially this time of year in the spring, where we can just see birds building their nests and getting ready to lay eggs and sprouts coming up from the dirt and buds opening up on the trees and using those visuals to talk about how God is the bringer of new life, that after Mm -hmm. a hard season like winter, God always brings new life. Mm -hmm. So just Mm -hmm. turning it into a game, getting friends involved, making it fun, you know, and just a fun alternative to, in the book, I I call them invasive pastimes, things Mm -hmm. like technology. And of course there is a place for that, but making sure just like a healthy ecosystem that it's balanced in our homes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are fantastic ideas. Well, I am so grateful that you spent some time with us today. Um, Can you let the moms know where they can find your book? And we'll include links in the show notes, but if you could go ahead and and tell them, uh, that would be great. Yes. Thank you. My new book, Rooted in Wonder, Nurturing Your Family's Faith Through God's Creation, and it is available on Amazon or on my website, um, it's just my name, which is spelled a little funny. It's Aaron Lynam, E-R-Y-N-L-Y-N-U-M.com. Oh, okay. also we have free resources on that website, um, devotionals and activities to really help you get started in this kind of lifestyle of connecting nature and scripture. And we also just launched a podcast for kids called Nat Theo, short for Natural Theology, and it is Nature Lessons Rooted in the Bible. Oh, I love that. Oh man, moms are going to be all over that. (laughs) So we will include all of those links um, to everything that Erin just mentioned. Um, Erin, would you close us in prayer? I would love to. Oh, creator God, you are so good to us. And we see that all throughout your creation, how you care for the sparrows of the air and the flowers of the field. And you care so much more for us. Lord, we just thank you for how you reveal yourself to us, Mm. that you left us the scriptures, this incredible guide for how to do life and how to enjoy your abundant life. And that further you give us creation, that we get to go outside and enjoy time as families, making memories while learning who you are. Mm -hmm. So Lord, I just pray for every listener right now, every listener, Father, that you would just instill in them a love for your creation, that if they are hesitant, that if they want this for their families, but they're not sure how to make it happen, that you would show them, Mm -hmm. that you would show them that first step, that you would help them to take that step outside with their child and that you would bless that so much that they would just want to keep going back. Mm -hmm. God, we love you and we just praise you that we get to do this wonderful work of motherhood and educating our kids and just pray that you would continue to bless that, Lord, and grow in this next generation a love for your truth. Amen. Amen. All right, moms, before you leave, um, you might be uh, concerned that your child's current education won't give them the skills necessary to succeed in in any area of life, um, consider homeschooling with classical conversations um, by applying the classical Christian model of education. The classical conversations curriculum encourages students to learn how to learn and how to think for themselves so they can adapt to every challenge life throws at them. So join the other 
50,000 families in 50 countries who have chosen to educate their children with classical conversations and visit classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. I'll leave a link in the show notes. We'll see you next time, moms. Get outside with those kids and have a blast. <laughs>